Hey everybody, find the boys on Facebook by searching The Long Box A Month In Comics and follow them on Twitter at The Long Box MIC. Hello and welcome to The Long Box, The Road to Infinity War. I'm Doug Hawkins, and it's the big one today, guys. It's the Avengers. So as you can tell, I am alone today. I was going to get a collection, like maybe assemble everyone for the, this podcast, but uh, scheduling doesn't work, um, which I think it works out for the best because those guys may have an opinion that differs from my own, which would then be wrong. So it's it's a good job it is just me on, on, on this movie because it is a great one and I want to get it right. Okay, as I said, it's the Avengers, or I think in the UK it was known as Avengers Assemble, um, due to uh, another property known as the Avengers, so slightly different titles, but I'm sure to the mass audiences it's just known as the Avengers 2012, Joss Whedon, what a brilliant movie. I, before I kick into the movie itself, I just kind of want to talk about kind of how I felt about this project when it was going on. So the idea that they would make five movies which would then culminate into an Avengers movie, I thought was an extremely ambitious project um and i remember when it got to you know the bad reviews of iron man 2 i didn't actually think they were going to get to this point i thought that it may you know three movies down the line when one isn't doing well and you've got another three to make um i i thought that perhaps funding would dry up i, I don't know I, I don't know why i thought that because obviously the money was good but um I, I i'm just really glad that they got to this point but i wasn't too sure that they would and I also remember thinking this was the culmination of everything. This was going to be the end, which obviously um, I'm a fool for thinking that. A lot of people were talking to me, you know, asking my opinion about it, being a comic book fan and a big movie fan, about how I thought it was going to work and would it work and, you know, what would the plot be? And my answer was always that, yeah, this film could work as long as you kept it as small as possible. Um, you can't have too many main characters in a movie like this. So my kind of comment on this would be like if they made the Hulk the villain then you you've already introduced that character and then you have the um you know keep the team as small as possible so maybe like only four Avengers you know just Captain America Iron Man um uh, Thor and um and then I don't know add you know we've already set up Black Widow so kind of just have those four which is obviously not the way that Joss, Joss Whedon went obviously he um kind of you know, added Loki as the villain, had Hulk as part of the team, um, and, it, and, you know, he really went for it and made it ambitious and expanded it. In fact, he even had a lot of supporting cast as well, Nick Fury and, and Maria Hill. Um, uh, he Basically, he went f above and beyond what I thought was possible with this movie. I was really felt this would work if, as long as you kept it as small and as contained as possible, but he just makes this scopingly big film, and uh, I just, I, I love it so much. Um... Ironically, my idea about keeping, you know, having Hulk as the villain, um, etc., that there was, I found out uh, years later. There's a comic called The Ultimates written by Mark Miller. If you want to know what my version that I just pitched would have been, it is pretty similar to The Ultimates. I have a lot of, I have a lot of, I have a connection with that comic because, like I said, it was that was my blueprint for what I wanted for an Avengers movie or what I thought I wanted, evidently, because what I actually want is the one that Joss Whedon gave me. But yeah, check out The Ultimates as a bit of kind of homework to see. It's practice. It's basically the opposite of what this movie is in the sense of 
it's Mark Millis, who's quite a cynical writer, and it, but it is, it's a, a radical adaptation. You know, he's doing an adaptation for the modern world. I think it was, you know, in the early 2000s, so it was quite recent compared to the movie. And he kind of, like I said, he's quite cynical. So he does things like break down the characters in a way that we would probably laugh at now. Like, he takes a character like Captain America and be like, okay, what is Captain America? Okay, he's a soldier. So he kind of makes him real kind of, you know, Full Metal Jacket style. Like, there's only two types of people that come from Asgard, steers and queers. He's that kind of guy, rather than the 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 guy that we, we love the 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 all American hero loving you know Boy Scout style uh, Steve Rogers that we know from the movies and kind of is traditional to the comics, but yeah check out the Ultimates um, and as a comparison this movie is fascinating I think because of the there isn't much gap in the years that they were made it is interesting to see how you do the origin movie and the origin story in the comic and the origin story in the movie. Okay, on to the film itself. Obviously, I absolutely adore it. So I'll probably be p- p- picking up the few things I don't like about the movie rather than the stuff that I do. Um, so that's a caveat straight away. I, by the way, everything I don't mention, I fucking love. So I will say the opening scene isn't that strong. Although, when I wa- that has always been my belief, but when I watched it r- th- this time round, it was stronger than I remember. I just remember at the time this film came out, it was around the same time as like The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, how those amazing opening scenes and the same with The Social Network. But maybe it's because I don't have the affiliation, as I said in what some of the, the other podcasts, with Loki as most people did. So I felt that was a bit meh. And as I mentioned on the Thor podcast, I feel like Joss Whedon f- was under the understanding that Hawkeye was set up better than he actually is. Because we don't really know that character and all of a sudden he's just turned into a villain. But it's kind of this weird, like, I don't know who he was before, so why do I care about him? Um, The film kind of makes up for that later on, but I do think there's a little bit of a bum note. um, Which, as I say, I think Whedon was uh, under the impression that this character was already established in a previous movie, which I don't think he was. I will say the second scene, however, is great. I think that's amazing. The one with Black Widow on the chair. You think she's being um, got the better of. And, um, it, you know, she's with KG, KGB or whatever. And, um, you know, that whole kind of rev- flipping on its head where actually she's exactly where she wants to be and she's got those guys exactly where they want them. It's such a great intro to that character for the movie. It's a shame that it wasn't somehow that could have been the opening uh, scene because it is just it's really strong, really really powerful. Um, it just just shows how strong that character is. In fact, that's one thing that I just think is the biggest strength. Going back to my small approach or the ultimate way of dealing with this, what I'm so chuffed about and really impressed we didn't manage to do is every character in this film gets their own arc. Like they all have a moment. They all have a um, like. A, a moment or, or an arc of self-discovery or, or change you know there's there's an equilibrium disequilibrium re-equilibrium for every single character in this movie or the, the main characters anyway and for Whedon to manage to make it their movie once when a character is on screen it is entirely their movie and they all have their own kind of arc is just that is not I don't know if this movie gets enough credit for that I think people just go oh this is just a great smart blockbuster and it was a lot of fun and it ties in all these movies it's just like no within the script it is 
I don't know. It, it's it, it, that's just hard work to do, and and he pulls it off perfectly. Like I remember going into this film, thinking, you know, off off the back of each one, being like, okay, you know, Iron Man two. I was like, okay, I understand how this is going to become in the Avengers. So Iron Man's going to be the main character, and the other going to be supporting. And then I went, and then you know, when you see Captain America, you think, no, sorry, when you see Thor, that was next, you know. And then you hear Loki's going to be the villain. The way that that story ends, you're like, okay, maybe it's going to be the Thor movie and everyone else is supporting him. And then after Captain America, the way that ends, you're like, okay, maybe it's it's going to be his movie. It's going to be Captain America with the guys supporting him. But Whedon just makes it about everyone. It's not, no one's, no one's got their, you know, it, 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 it no one's the main in this movie. It, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's great. I will say though, there's a line that Thor has, which kind of breaks the 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 rules that the Thor movie had. Where so in the end of Thor, the rainbow bridge is broken and he cannot go down to Earth, and that is the that's where we're left with that character. Where in this, there's just one line of dialogue where it's like, "Oh, how much dark magic did your my dad did our dad need to muster to send you down here or something along those lines?" And it's such a like, "Oh yeah, well let's just reverse what we just did in Thor." Like there was no forward thinking there, which is a little bit annoying. It's just like, okay, so what, what can could Odin do that at any time? So if he did want to see Jane, he could do, because Odin could sort that out for him. I don't know. I, I felt that was a bum note in the writing. I wish there was uh, another way. I don't know. Loki using using the um, the cute cosmic cube kind of then opens something in Asgard and he could finally come through that way. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the writer of this movie, but I just felt like to do that in a throwaway line was a bit like, meh. And we're on the subject of nitpicking. The other one that I find quite funny as well is, why does Nick Fury call the team... The Avengers, or so he's working on Project Avengers. What? Why? I mean, I understand within the context of the movie they do avenge Loki, you know, because of the death death of Coulson. And kudos to Whedon for putting that moment in that all kind of coming together moment with the the death of Coulson. Um, it's not a moment that hits me particularly well, to be honest. But I understand the mechanics and the script, and I know a lot of people love that character of Coulson, so it probably is a great moment for them. Um, but yeah. But when it's kind of like a project, why did he come up with the name The Avengers? It, that's not really established. Maybe it is because it's just a silly name and they've got to follow the comics, but that is one thing that the, the film doesn't directly address. Like, he's putting a team together for such to protect the Earth or to call upon on such emergencies. Why would you call the team The Avengers? It's a little bit dumb. Again, sorry, I know I, I'm just nitpicking and mentioning stuff I don't like about this movie. Is because otherwise, I, you, you, this podcast would just be, be like 10 seconds long going, the movie's perfect, great movie, you know, it's the best. So I am just mentioning all the all the nitpicky bits. Um, I find it a little bit cheesy when the heroes kind of fight off against each other due to a misunderstanding. You know, the, the bit where Thor steals Loki out of the Quinjet and the other two go after him. But I suppose what that does serve is you know then because all they're having a physical battle they then have problems with each other ideologically up on the helicarrier so for it to start off physical and then turn out kind of they have a dissonant different opinions you know it, it kind of gets the ball rolling on that and also it's a good way to just show that how strong their powers are in relation to each other um because you know you might think that you know you, you don't know how strong Captain America is compared to Thor or could Captain America just ripped Iron Man's 
you know, suit apart and how strong is he against Miona? You know, it, you get all of those kind of, you get the trump cards and you get to line them up against each other. Um, the one fight against the heroes that I do think works really well is the Hulk versus Thor fight on the Helicarrier because that does not feel forced at all. There is genu- genuine peril there that Thor has to kind of stop Hulk and it's just it's just so good. And the moment where he gets Miona and leaves it on the Hulk's chest to pin him down or even when it's being thrown and Hulk grabs it and gets thrown across the room and just kind of shows the power of that hammer and it's just a great set piece like thumbs up on that one and of course the last fight is amazing um the film is about i think it's 220 um minutes long which due to the the lengthy end battle but i don't think it fills that like it, this film if anything feels a bit too short like you you don't want it to end it's just that much fun and um that battle at the end specifically is so comprehensive and everyone has their own job to do and Whedon isn't like it doesn't feel like it's a chore to do it it's not like he's like okay I've written the script and now I've got to do some action and uh, see what I can get away with he really leans into the spectacle of that last battle um, like even that, sh- that that one tracking shot you know the one I'm talking about where it goes through all of the characters doing their bit it is fantastic um, just it's just smile to ear to ear and you just want to punch the air and it's such it just it's what a superhero film should make you feel it's an amazing scene i must say it's a bit weird when black widow asks if she could shut down the gateway so she's there got the um, loki scepter and she's got it into the 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 device that's created the wormhole and you know their one chart their you know their mission is to shut that fucker down and as she's got the, her finger on the button, she's like, hey, guys, shall I do this then? Is this okay? It's cool. Yeah, can I get your permission? I've got a chance. Shall I take it? I mean, I know it's plot convenient and they need the hole to be open to get rid of the nuke, but it is kind of weird that in her head, nothing's changed. The mission is to shut it down. So for her to ask permission, it's almost like if your mission was to assassinate someone and when you've got them in your crosshair, you're like, hey, guys, can I pull the trigger now? Are you happy for me to kill him? But I understand it's for plot convenience. I will say, and... I know people disagree with me on this. I think the Chitari are a really boring design. I think they're completely forgettable and they're not very iconic at all. I mean, aliens in a you know in a movie as big as this, you'd think that the aliens would be more iconic and people would be more recognisable. You know, I think of like you know the various amount of aliens and men, men in black. You could you know you you remember them even though that movie's that old. Where the Chitari, I can't even picture what they look like. You know, Independence Day has iconic aliens. Um, I would even go as far as to say that I understand it's not that you know necessarily the movie that should be saluted for this because it's from the comics, but like even the um, parademons in the new Justice League movie, like they look fucking cool. Well, I think the Chitari just look like just grey, you know, grey villains. Who cares? They're just punching bags basically, and they're interchangeable. They might as well be Ultron robots. Like that's how you know uniconic they are. Which is a bit of a shame because this movie is fucking spot on everywhere else, you know, and like all the designs of the characters everywhere else. But maybe Captain America's suit is probably his worst by default. But like Iron Man's design of his suit is amazing in this. Um, so is Thor's, you know, the redesign of Hulk is spot on. It's just a shame that with the Chitari, they kind of like kind of missed a beat there. But then again, I don't know, maybe it would have been more, it would have been overpowering having something else. 
And there's no need as well for them to depower after the nuke. I know it makes it easy to kind of end the film. Like, okay, the nuke's gone off. They all shut down. But it's very episode one. You know, it's very Phantom Menace. Like, you could have just had, you know... I don't know, just... Uh, the, the camera kind of pan away as they're finishing, you know, cl- you know, fade, you know, the shot fades away as they fin- they mop up what's left. I don't know I just think there's ways of doing it. It's not, it's not really clear why they're why they depower like that. Like, were they not? Are they robots? I don't know. It was just a weird, it just out of convenience. They just shut down so they could have that mo- moment with um, with Iron Man. I just don't know if there was a better way of getting around that. But all in all, of course, I love this movie. Um, it's such an optimistic movie, and it you know it's about heroics, and it's made it in a time as well where you know it's kind of a cynical time. It was like gr- gritty comic book movies were the ones that are being made and the ones that are being loved. You know, The Dark Knight was the be all and end all, and everyone was trying to do that. Not with it just in comic books, but in every you know look at where James Bond went after that movie, and and you know everyone thought that Bourne reign supreme so for the Whedon to go out there and not do what Miller did in the Ultimates but make the you make you know disc is like you put it on your shelf next to you know Sam Raimi's Spider-Man and Richard Donner's Superman it's an optimistic movie um and to make it at the time he did like all for him and I'm just so happy that he did again it's I was when this movie was being made I was well into I was the guy that those gritty comic book movies were being made for and for this to come out, which is not something that I would have necessarily asked for, and it for it to impress me this much is even more impressive, in my opinion. And I will say this movie feels like it's the pinnacle of the franchise. And just the more that the franchise continues, the bigger the legacy of this movie becomes. Like, when it first came out, it felt like it was the culmination of everything that had come before it. But now I think, looking back on it, and I don't want to kind of get into the other movies, but it, it now just feels like it's like where everything really started and I just feel like the more I watch this franchise grow the 20 movies strong the more every time I'll go back to the Avengers my love for the Avengers will probably be become more and more and more because it will just be like oh this is where this is where it all started and it's just kicked off this massive thing and I know it's not patient zero but it does feel like the real start of everything that's come after it um and I, I, like I said before, I thought like if they got to the Avengers, that would be a blessing and it would be this great kind of six movie franchise. But for it to be now coming, you know, by the end of the year, it'll be 20. It's just amazing, like what this movie has become. And I must say, you, you kind of go back and read the reviews um, as a collective. Like we always, on this podcast, we always talk about Metacritic. I think this is one of those movies that if you got critics to review now in the context of history and what it's achieved, I think the reviews would be a lot kinder. Not that they weren't great when the movie came out, but I do, like, most comic book movies in 2017, bar Justice League, has a better meta score than um, than The Avengers. Eh, maybe Guardians of the Galaxy 2 had a slightly worse, but it's there or thereabouts, where I think if you were honest with yourself, this movie is better than all of them. Well, it should be, it should be up, it should be rubbing shoulder to shoulder. And I just don't, I think that was probably because... At the time, people just thought it was like, oh, yeah, okay, this is fun, this is cool, and this is everything. But I think now it it just holds up. And I know it's only, what, six years, but this movie is as good as it gets for me. I think it's absolutely amazing. And I think if it was reviewed again now, the score would just be higher and higher. 
like maybe when the 10 year anniversary comes out the 20 year anniversary this this film will get his dick sucked it's i don't know it is it our generation's back to the future or something i don't know it's your indiana jones it's just it's just popcorn movie at its best Okay, so for the point, the time where I rank the movies, I think you know which order I'm going to put them in. So, of course, this movie is my favourite out of the ones that we've reviewed so far. So, to recap, that means I think The Avengers is top, then Iron Man, then Captain America, then Thor, then Iron Man 2, then Hulk. Okay, if you want to find any of our old episodes, you know, from this run of The Road to Infinity War, or any of our episodes... Um, go check it out on our YouTube channel. I've got them all archived there. I'll post the link in the blurb. Next week it is Iron Man 3. I've been Doug. Read more comics. Mm-hmm.